Okay, hello everybody and welcome to Investing with IBD sponsored by MarketSmith. Today is November 24th, 2020. I'm your host, Arusha Pierce, and we have Scott St. Clair returning back to the show. As a reminder, this is the week of Thanksgiving. And so not only do we have a Scott St. Clair, and is he a favorite of Mark Smith, but he's also everyone's favorite turkey. So thanks for being here, Scott. <laughs> thanks. It's always fun. On today's podcast, we are going to talk about the current markets, how stocks always surprise Scott, and then we will end the episode with a few current ideas. So let's get into the current market. The current market is in a confirmed uptrend. We have three distribution days on the NASDAQ, two on the S&P 500. Scott, what are your thoughts on this market? The market's very quiet. I like when it trades in these really tight ranges. It's my favorite time of year. The market always makes it so tough for me. So I, I like when the market's really quiet because then I can just kind of focus on the stocks. And I really believe that unless the market's really bad, those best companies out there are, you know, they're doing their thing and those stocks can go up in a sideways market or obviously in an uptrend market. So it's pretty quiet. We're trying to come out of that little area, but it wouldn't bother me a bit if we just kind of stayed in this kind of quiet sideways range. Yeah, I mean, it is pretty remarkable. And I just pulled the markets with charts. And so you can always watch the video version of the podcast on investors.com slash podcast. But we're looking at the Mark Smith chart here of the NASDAQ, and it's pretty remarkable. I mean, you had in early September that pretty brutal sell-off, and we came in pretty hard. We almost came right back up to new highs and then sold off a little bit more methodically this time, but our stocks were starting to get a little bit more hammered, try to go into new highs, and then we had that vicious two-day sell-off when the vaccine news uh, was released, and it really hit a lot of the the cloud stocks or a lot of these growth stocks that have been doing really well for a while. And after that, though, last couple of weeks, it's really quieted down. It's almost a perfect kind of action because you're seeing it, the market just slowly tightening up, tightening up, almost kind of coiling. And you know, maybe we're setting ourselves uh, for higher. But I agree with you, Scott. The sideways action, the quiet action is pretty good. Explain that a little bit more, though, to people. Why do you like this when the overall markets are, are more quiet? So if you have a stop loss plan like we do, and if you're putting on size like we tend to do, then you need to have a stop loss plan. So it's easier to get shaken out, at least I find, when there's a lot of volatility in the market. So if the stocks are moving around, it's great when they move up a lot, but it's also bad if they move down a lot and you have some type of plan to reduce on weakness which I tend to do, you can get chopped up a lot in, in a really choppy market. So uptrends are great. Obviously, that's the best one. But sideways is not a problem. Unless the market's really bad, the best companies just kind of want to go up. It's a general rule, I find. Yeah. You can go back and study, you know, even the 70s, which is, you know, a long period where the market did nothing. There were a lot of stocks that went up two, three, four hundred percent in that environment. So they're out there. Unless you get into a really bear market, then, you know, all bets are off. The market, you know, the best stocks can't avoid, you know, an S&P down 30, 40 percent. There's nothing they can do about that. Just remember the, the amazing run we've had since April. The fact that we are taking a couple of months off is actually for the longer term, it's very constructive and sets ourselves up to resume the longer, larger part of the uptrend. 
Yeah, I, I agree. And and there's a lot of focus on the market. I try not to focus too much on it. It's not that it's not important. It's very important, right? It's the M and can slim. It's that for me, I found markets always fooling me, you know, so you can see you've got that sharp break of the 50 day. Oh, we're in trouble. It comes back. And then you get another sharp break of the 50 day. Oh, the market's in trouble. And then it comes back. So I try to, to focus on, you know, I, for me, it's the other way around. What do I own? What are the stocks that I own? Are they trying to resist the market? The stocks I wished I own, the leaders, are they trying to resist the market? And then, you know, the, the overall market as well. That's kind of the order for me. It's kind of a 1A, B, C approach because the markets have been tough for me. They, they tend to try to fool me. Uh, if you try to uh, watch them too close, I think you'll get fooled. A lot of people, they'll email us or call, you know, was, was yesterday a distribution day or was, you know, and I just think, well, the market wasn't really down that much. Don't, don't try to read too much into it. You know, really look for the, the larger signals that you'll get and you'll do fine. Yeah, it, it is funny that you mentioned that, Scott, because I want to say like 15 years ago or so, it seemed like there was more tie-in with the markets, the way the markets trended, distribution days, and then them if the, the environment eventually affecting stocks. And so I would focus a lot more on the, the markets, how many distribution days, once we get up to five or six, be very careful. These days, yeah, I, I almost get most of my information on the health of the market just from the individual stocks. I, that a lot of times with the distribution days, I'm not always up to date on the counts until I check the next day, like on in the market pulse of the big picture. I agree with you. I don't follow the larger markets too close because in the end, you're buying and selling stocks. And I, I feel like that's in many ways, a more pure way to to uh, pull you in the market. When you start seeing more and more setups starting to form, more breakouts, stocks coming back up through the 50-day moving average, that's, to me these days, telling that there's more reason to get exposure to the market. And then you start seeing that and you start uh, getting feedback. Like, hey, I'm, I'm starting to make money on some of these uh, stocks or some of these stocks aren't blowing up in my face. So that will continue to give me confidence and I've seen more stocks, then I slowly pulls me in more and more. And the same way, the other way, if my stocks get start getting hammered, they start pushing me out. So I, I feel like that has served me better over the last 10 years. It just feels like ever since 2008, things have changed a little bit and the markets don't give as great or the larger market analysis, very, very important still, but doesn't give as useful information as it used to give, I think. Agreed. Agreed, hundred percent. I've I've sold a lot of great stocks in my career because oh, the market was doing something. You know, I was worried about the market, and then three or four days later, the market was done going down, or or it didn't even have to go up; it could just be done going down, and that stock that I sold was higher. That happens happens a lot, and so I've kind of decided. If it's really bad, if it's you know like in early this year, the market broke really bad. The, the best stocks, they broke as well. So you're going to see it in the stocks that you're in and in yeah. the leadership as well. So yeah. it's not like you're going to miss the signal by not you know, watching uh, the markets on a granular level. Uh, let's go over to the S&P 500 uh, very quickly here. The initial kind of after the vaccine news came out, it seemed like there was a definite 
rotation going from NASDAQ, more tech-related, cloud-related stocks towards more of the traditional companies. As the vaccine gets out there, more and more of kind of the, the traditional companies should have a chance to start doing better as the economy opens up. It seems S&P 500, it seems like continues to be the stronger index now, just in the short term, I think, versus the NASDAQ. But I don't know about you, Scott, but I'm not sure about that, if that rotation is necessarily just happened yet, or it just may be taking more time. That's sometimes what happens. It just takes time for larger funds to get out of stocks and move into other types of stocks. Yeah. What, what are your thoughts about a potential rotation or yeah, uh, I, you know, it's leader. hard for me. I had a friend who bought um, Exxon and he made like 30% in it. You know, it's like, wow, that's amazing. But it's not something that I would do. And right. and it just was just doing nothing for a long time. So how did you know it wasn't going to continue to do nothing? So, but when Exxon goes from, you know, 32 to 42, it's going to move the indexes or Carnival Cruises or Hilton Hotels. So they're just not the kind of names that we'll normally navigate in. Now, if they're real, if the if this is real, there'll be chances to own some different types of names, you know. So the Zooms and the Pelotons have gotten hit. And, and so they're either gonna build a new base and set up again, or if the rotation is real, there'll be some new names. In fact, one of the names I'll talk about later is just different. It's not a tech related name, so to speak, that's come up on my radar. So if, if that rotation is real, that stock should, should do well and, you, and people will start to see that in the charts, which is such huge advantage if you have kind of a, a blank slate of opinions, you just let the market come to you and you put in the work. And, it, and every weekend, you're just putting in the work, looking at as many charts as you can find, because you never know when that's going to switch. And so all of a sudden, oh, wow, I've never, never seen this stock, XYZ, you know, it's starting to set up, it's, it's building a base. And so you'll be ready for that rotation rather than, you don't have to predict it. You, you don't, the great trades don't require predictions, is a, um, a Cole Moshe a, a quote. So there's my first quote of the day. But it's so true. You don't have to predict them. You know, you just have to kind of see it and, and take action. Yeah. And you mentioned routine. I, I think that's, that's an important part that we never get to touch on too much in, in the podcast. We'll talk about more about it in Mark Smith webinars and things like that. Yeah. But talk a little bit about that, about just having a consistent routine. You, you alluded to it a little bit about the importance of it. But what is like a typical routine? Uh, or a more general routine that you use every week? Uh, are you looking at stocks every day? So I'm a big weekend guy because I have a day job. So I think if you're a truck driver, a school teacher, a lawyer, a doctor, or a Marcus Smith product coach, you know, during the day I have, I have responsibilities. So I mostly during the day when the market's open, I'm doing my job or I'm watching the stocks that I'm in looking for unusual price action, either both good or bad. And, you know, just kind of managing that. And then I'm doing all of my new research, all of my fishing is done on the weekends. And there's a couple of reasons for that. I, I prefer the weekends. And, and this is kind of how, you know, the traditional way we were taught when I would go to the IBD seminars is they always talked about the weekends, the weekends. Well, one, you didn't get the books 
that they used to send you till the weekend. So as soon as you nice. got that book, you just, it was like Christmas. You couldn't wait to go through that thing. So you just kind of got in the routine of doing it on a weekend. But you also have the full week of the market. So you get a full weekly bar. You want to use weekly charts initially so that you want to let that weekly bar finish. And, and I like Sunday afternoon because Sunday at two o'clock Pacific time, the market's been basically closed for two days. So it allows me to kind of uh, decompress and not worry so much about the market. I'm not so influenced by the market. If I do my work today, I'll be bullish. Uh, if I do my work tomorrow and the market had a bad day, I, I could be you know, negative on the market. I could have had a bad day in the market. And so it'd be hard for me to, to think you know, about buying new stocks. So I prefer the weekends. And I just do a lot of work on the weekends and then I don't do, you know, that much, you know, fishing or looking for ideas Monday through Friday. Yeah, I, I, I found that that's the most effective way. Uh, and and that, that was really kind of a breakthrough for myself was doing most of the work on the weekend. Come up with the ideas, set the alerts. That's right. uh, that way you don't have to, because a lot of times it's just so hard after... Yeah, when, when you're working somewhere else or even when you're working here, it's hard to, on your free time now, to go through more charts mm-hmm. and, and find ideas and do that kind of consistent uh, routine uh, during the weekdays. Saturday morning, I try to knock it out of the way. Sundays, especially during NFL season, is yeah. NFL, and it's impossible usually for me to get, get uh, anything done with all the games going on. What you said earlier about doesn't matter what environment you're in. You have to do your routine because it's amazing. And, and this is another perfect year. 2017 was like this, but this is definitely one of those years. These markets are recovering much faster mm-hmm. than they used to. Or especially especially for those who have gone through from 2000 to 2015, where when the market stopped working, they were done for a good three months or so they'd just be chopping everyone up if you played too much here it seems like after a couple of weeks we're we're up and uh going again somebody who's been in the game a long time for me bear markets used to last a few months and so you could kind of just not look you know and just kind of be out of play in 2000 top uh, to 2003 roughly was just a nothing period there just wasn't hardly anything going on. That's a long time. Maybe I'm getting the days wrong, but you always say you're four, you're always four days away from a potential right. rally, right? No matter yeah. what. Yep. And I love that because I have to keep that in mind that no matter how negative I might get, we are always four days away from potential rally. And this year was perfect. Like you said, that no way in a million years would I have believed beforehand that the move off the lows like it did and would have led to a really great, fantastic rally that's the reason why you can't, you know, can't think that you just have to kind of go with it and be prepared. And the, yeah, and, the and I didn't make that phrase up. Oh, I heard sure. it from someone else years Join the ago. <laughs> at, yeah, at someone at someone doing an IBD. So I can't remember who was doing it, but so, someone said it one time, and I was like, well, I never thought about it that way. Yeah, it was just hard for me to shift my mindset. But even like what a couple of weeks ago, when was the vaccine news? So that was like two and a half weeks ago or so. Um, I got hammered. Uh, you know, I, I really got hit hard uh, on that week, as as many others did. Uh, and so I was, because that was the second time I've gotten hit that hard. Since, one was in September, and then this was even worse. I was pretty convinced that we were going to be down and out for a while. 
I was like, mate, we might be done for the, for the rest of the year, yeah. you know, if it got really bad. And I mean, it's not even 10 days later. And I was looking at all these charts. I'm like, oh my God, there are so many things setting up right now again. And there are a number of things working. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good, it's a good mindset to have. You're always four days away. So that way it keeps you on your toes and, and preparing And a weekend is more than enough. A lot of people will say, well, I don't have the time. Right. And so in they're right. Nobody has the time unless you're a, a professional trader or you're an RIA or do this for a living to do this every day. Yep. Nobody does. So they give up because if I can't do it every day, they feel like they're missing something. So I've stopped that. I, you know, I've, my philosophy is if I can't find it on the weekends, then I probably don't want to worry about it finding it on a Tuesday. And if it's really, really good, I'll find it the next weekend. So yeah, just once a week and then sprinkle in a few little bit here and there and, and you're good, you're prepared and you'll get a great feel for the market too by doing yeah, that. And, 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 and uh, I'll end on one thing before we take a break here. Uh, in the beginning, it was always very, very hard for, for me to do it, right? Because it is work and looking at charts, especially when you, you're learning the stuff. It, it's hard to go through a lot of stocks. After a few cycles, once you start putting it together, and once you get a little bit better at this, it becomes more fun, though. Once you hang around long enough and you find yourself in a 2020 where these markets are so much more trending, it's a lot easier to, to look at stocks all the time. You have enough experience and enough feedback that it's worth doing, I yeah. think. Uh, so uh -huh. I find it a lot of fun learning about new companies, figuring these things out, because I know that, it's, and you, you talk about this all the time, the treasure hunt. These days, it's not a problem for me to do it versus 15 years ago. It was a problem. Yeah, I stole that from David Ryan, right, from Market Wizard, right? Because I'm 100% convinced in our database and in, in, in one of these reports, there's more than one stock that's going to double, triple, quadruple, right? And so when you think about it like that, I don't know what it is. I don't know how I'm going to handle it. I'm probably going to mishandle it, but maybe I can handle, you know, half of it, catch a portion of it. And so you, you, every time you think about that, you know, what's that new name? And if you get, have success catching a really big name one time, then, you know, Scott O would say a lot, you're hooked, right? You're yeah, hooked. It's true. Because once you've true. done it once, then it's like, I want to do that again. You know, right. if you buy a stock right. at 20 and ride it to 60, I want to do that again, you know? Yeah. And so you're always out there looking for them. Um, you're very persistent, you know, uh, to, to a fault sometimes. <laughs> so, so the market is back in an uptrend. Uh, growth stocks are hanging in there. But remember, make sure you're doing that routine on the weekend. Keep that watch as fresh because, you know, the next bull market is always four days away. Let's take a quick break. But when we return, we are going to talk about why stocks always surprise Scott. We'll be back. I am here with Scott St. Clair. Scott's one of our senior product coaches at MarketSmith. Now, Scott, there are a ton of publicly traded stocks just on the U.S. I think it's over 5,000 stocks. Who has the time to go through all of these stocks and find the very best ones? Yeah, most people don't, right? So what you need is a tool like MarketSmith. We have decades of research on what makes a great winning stock. So we've done all the research for you. So we're going to try to highlight those specific stocks with those great data points. So if you're looking for that next great potential big winner, 
orange stock ideas button. You just click on it and you've got some of the main reports that we use, including the Growth 250. Yeah, and the Growth 250 is the first list that I go through on the weekends. Yeah, it's the most popular one, but there are others. There's the Breaking Out Today, Stocks Near a Pivot, and then the Blue Dot List, right, which is very popular. It's gonna show you the stocks with the best relative strength. So we've done a lot of the work for you. What you have to do is review these lists. You're going to come up with some of the best ideas in that current market environment. Perfect. Mark Smith saves you time and makes investment research that much easier. For more information, go to Investors.com slash podcast 2020. Scott Sinclair is our guest on Investing with IBD, sponsored by MarketSmith. Okay, Scott, let's go into the topic of why some stocks will surprise you walk through that because i think this is a really really important topic uh and yeah so go into that kind of phrase why some of these stocks will surprise you and it's, it's not just you it's, it surprises me so i was rereading market wizards it's one of my favorites and bruce kovner said and i, I really love this quote he asked him what makes him a good trader and he, he said two things i have the ability to imagine configurations of the world different from today and really believe it can happen. And so sometimes I'll see a really a, a good stock, a good setup and think that looks good and buy it. But a lot of times I leave a lot of meat on the bone, so to speak, because I can't imagine that uh, Neo can go from 20 to 60. You have to really have a vivid imagination or vision of some of these stocks. And, and I really love that quote. You have to have the courage to take the trade. I have no problem with that. I take every trade I see, <laughs> take too many of them, to be honest with you, but I don't have a problem with that. Patience to stay with the trade. That's something you have to have. But he also said you have to have the vision to see where it can go. And then lastly, you have to execution. Execution is key. You have to execute that process. So you have to take the trade, you have to sit with the trade. And then you, if it's going your way, you have to have vision to imagine a really big move. You know, they're not all gonna give you that big move, but if, if one in 10, one in 15, one in 20 even make the kind of moves that some of these stocks uh, make, they really move the needle on your account. I just look at stocks that I've been in just in the last number of years, like Square or PayPal or, or you know, even the newer ones, you know, such as Neo or Palantir. Mm -hmm. It's just, you know, brand new IPO. And, and, and I think it's up from 10 to 22. That's the thing I'm trying to work on is imagine a big move. And one thing I think can help and I've been doing a lot is just anytime I have this urge to sell, I just ref absolutely refuse to get out completely if it's a winning trade. So I had a stock that was really moving recently, had a number, a few thousands of shares and some, and when it was just killing me, I really wanted to sell. I just would go sell a hundred shares you know, and, and, and hundred and all my accounts, it's just sell a hundred shares. And it seems so trivial. And, you know, it, it really is trivial if the stock were to just come all the way back, but it just kind of relieves that pressure on myself yeah. to be right. Uh, because I know that if I don't do that, I'm going to mess it up. If I don't sell that hundred an hour later, or the next day I might sell 2000. You know, so I'd rather just just give a hundred, give a hundred, give a hundred, and gosh, before I knew it, I don't think I've ever held in, in my career a stock for a double, because I've always gotten out and then got back in. You know, get right, completely right. out, get back in. You know, usually higher. 
Yep. And somehow I just was able to hold a core position for this. And, and before I knew it, it was a double, which was amazing to me. It's like, oh my gosh, that works. That courage to take the trade, the, the patience to stay with it, the vision to see. I, I actually think it's going a lot higher, a million moons higher. But I was that normally I would just have taken 20, 25%, right? And, and so, and then execution, you know, which was key. So these are things you have to write these things down because we're human. And that's why Bill was big on having rules, rules, rules. And a lot of times I'll come in and, and I just, I have it written down. Okay. Um, I can get out of XYZ here if I'm wrong or here if I'm right. And then everywhere else in between is just noise. But if you don't write it down, you kind of trade, you know, see to your pants. And, and I, I, I've lived that. You'll be subject to, you know, these whipsaws and, and leaving a lot on, on the table on some of these great names. Yeah, I think the partial selling partial buying but especially the partial selling uh is a big breakthrough that was definitely a big breakthrough for me because it enabled me to stay into some of these stocks even if initially when you buy it and you get hit on it a lot of times i'll sell in thirds and i might sell two thirds but i'll let the last third really take me out and there are there have been a number of times where it doesn't take me out and then it starts coming back right um so so that part but yeah i'm with you on the on the upside some of these stocks, I've just tried to sell them a lot slower, like you. Now, there there have been like a Peloton. You, the Peloton is one of these ones that went on this huge run, and I was lucky enough to to have that. And, you know, I just kept selling until the, the point where I had a small, a pretty small position in it. And then I just finally recently got out of it. But still just going through that exercise of getting that double or whatever. And this is this has definitely been one of those markets where there have been plenty of doubles and uh, you know triples and stuff like that uh, in, in in the market. So it has been a very unusual market, but you have to you know you have to have some kind of consistent approach so you can take advantage of these type of markets too. Speaking of markets and just kind of larger trends, you know a really strong trending uh, uptrending markets, I think since it's Thanksgiving, Scott, it's, it's probably a good idea to go over the turkey story. You want, you want to share that with us? From uh, reminiscences of a stock operator? Is, is there another turkey story? <laughs> is there another kind? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, so I'm sure 90% of the people know this story, but if not, you, you, you have to read reminiscences of a stock operator. It's, you know, I, I love Bill's book, but... Reminiscences is such a great read, and and um, it's has, it's timeless. It was written, yeah. God, 125 years ago, and it still reads good today. I listen to so it a great. lot. So, but it's the it's the story of the guy who he had been given a, a tip in Climax Motors, and it had gone up, right? And the other guy uh, came over and said, you know, I w- I would sell it. It's due for a reaction. Yeah. And, you know, and he says, oh, my dear boy, I can't sell that stock. <laughs> I'll lose my position, you know, and if you've been Old through man his, partridge. Yeah, if you've been through as many bull cycles and bear cycles as me, you know, that's one thing that somebody can't do is lose their position, right? He didn't want to, to get out. And so he just stayed with it because it was a bull market, you know, and that was his famous quote from the book. It's a bull market, you know. Yeah. And so sometimes it's that easy or it's a, it's a bull market, you know, so stay with the stocks until it isn't. And that was one of the lessons that Jesse Livermore learned is because he had learned it in the, in the 
you know, kind of the day trading uh, time, the, the bucket shops of the day where, you know, he'd put a bet down and it would move and he'd get out. And so when he went to Wall Street to try to do that, he found that that wasn't working so well. You know, he was not able to capture the moves. So um, the, the moral of the story is, is, is just if, if it's a bull market, you stay with it and um, you wait for the signal to get out. Now, I've learned that because I like to have a really large position when the stock is moving, that's, you know, so remember, we're concentrated in stocks, right. which is why we use a stop loss, because if you have 10, 15, 20% of your money in a single stock, you better have an exit plan. I've just found it's just really hard for me to stay with it when there's that much of a position. But what I would do is just get rid of the whole thing. And that, and that just didn't make sense to me. I just got tired of doing that and watching them go higher. And in this day and age with zero commission, I know the whole tax thing people will talk about, but I've, I've, I've paid tremendous tax bills in the late nineties and two thousands. I would love to have that problem again. Um, so, you know, the Uncle Sam is just a partner. There, I don't know any other way around it. If you're worried about it, have an IRA, have a Roth IRA. I think the Roth IRA is the greatest thing invented since the wheel. I agree. You know, the money you put in is taxed, but anything you make after is not. I, it's just the, the, the Roth IRA is, I love that. I love the Roth IRA. So anyways, but the way I've combated that is just to just maybe take a little bit off to fight that urge I clearly remember when I read Remnants as a stock operator the first time, I think it was like in 2003, 2002, one of the famous uh, quotes from that book was, it was the sitting, not the thinking, right? Mm -hmm. That did all the work for me. And it's so true. And and I, I remember reading about there, I was like, I should use that now. But in practice, it's so hard to... Uh, to do unless you maybe write it down or have some rules or don't watch the market as much. Or, yeah. I mean, our system is in many ways a blessing and a curse because you're, you're trying to get 20% positions in some of these stocks. And when you're in a great, uh, when you're in a great market, you can put a lot of points on the board very, very quickly, but you can lose a lot of points very quickly too, or give back a lot of profits very fast. I've always felt that there is some kind of in-between kind of medium. Uh, yeah, that there's a little bit better sweet spot that might be a little bit smaller positions that will enable me to ride some of these stocks longer. And I've, I've worked on that over the years. And I, I feel like this year has been one of those years where I've had a chance, better chance to practice it. So some stocks I've, I've held for uh, quite a long time, much longer than I've ever held. But, you know, there were times where I had it built up to like a 20% position, 25%. And then when the market's coming in, I reduce it all the way down to three to 5% position, but I didn't completely lose it. And uh, there, there are a couple of important things here. First, it was that I learned for myself was first, you can hold on to a small percent. That's okay. A lot of times I would just say, what, what's the point of having a 3% position? Let me just get rid of it. Mm -hmm. uh, but what I found is even just having a 3% position, when the stock started to turn, I was much quicker to get into it again versus if I'm completely out of it and now I see the stock turning, a lot of times I'll, I'll have that kind of a voice in my head. It's like, oh, let's just wait another day. Let's see if it works better. Wait another day. And all of a sudden, then it just jumps up, gaps up so much. Now I have the other kind of conversation where it's like, I'll jump up too far. I'll wait for the pullback. And then, then, then it just takes off. 
right? So, but when I have that smaller position, it starts moving, I can move it from a three to five to 10% position pretty quickly versus it's very hard if it's a 0% position for me to get back into that unless it does a traditional kind of breakout or something. Sure, um, it's much easier to buy something you already own. I yes. agree. And and when we talk about like position size, you know, in, in normal Wall Street, you know, three percent's a monster position. It you is, know, yeah, yeah right. <laughs> if Fidelity Contra had a three percent position in the stock I I was in, I would love it. I'd be wow, he's really making a big bet. <laughs> so you have to remember, you know, the way we do it is a little bit different. So um, we have different rules to be uh, accordingly, and that is one thing that that made Bill so great is the fact that he could not only take a big position, I can do that, but he could ride a big position. Yeah, that's, that's where I difference. really struggle. I have also decided that I'm not Bill O'Neill, you know, and I can't be, I have to be my best me. And so sometimes you create these rules that are based on your own personality uh, to combat, you know, your, your weaknesses. <laughs> that's another big lesson for just going through the system and, and, and stuff like that and doing it for a number of years. You have to make it your own. You really do. And we were both from the outside. We were customers. And then you come inside, everyone trades differently mm -hmm. because everyone learned the concepts and they just made it their own. So Scott's in completely different stocks than, than I'm in. We might have, we'll have overlap maybe sometimes, but not all the time. But it's really funny how everyone's in completely different stocks. You see it on IBD Live. A lot of people are in completely different stocks. Remember, uh, my favorite story with you is, is early on, I was in FireEye. Remember FireEye was, yes. was well, running. Well, you nailed FireEye. Yeah, yeah, it was running. It was like yeah. an IPO base and the stock was on fire. And, and the fight, at the time, FireEye, you remember what the EPS rating was? It was a one. Yeah, of course. Yeah, it was a one. <laughs> And and you said, how can you be in that? It's a one. I said, because it can only go up. If you can't it, disappoint anymore. If it goes to two, the EPS rating would double. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I, and, and you know, that really did kind of surprise me. Yeah, and, and kind of opened your, my mind. You're shocked. The look on your face is like the EPS rating's one. And, and for me, it was like, I don't even know if I realized it. I just like, gosh, this stock really it was, moves. It was moving. Yeah. Yeah. It, I want to be in it. And so, but so when you told me it was the one, I looked at it, I thought, oh, he's right. What, what am I going to say about that? I thought, well, it can't get any worse. <laughs> From one to two to 10 to 12. Right. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but uh, but it did open my mind and, and made me realize that there are a lot of stocks out there that are going to move before the earnings come and they're going to move more on the potential. Uh, and, and so a lot of times people and people ask me because we'll bring up a bunch of stocks. Come on, look at all the cloud stocks. They, they didn't necessarily have any earnings. They had great sales. Yeah. So if they have really strong sales, if they, ha uh, if they have a, a strong story and then they have the price and volume action. I'll take a shot at it. If I like the story, especially, I mean, they have this really great story that, that I like. I'll take a shot at it and see what happens. One stock that, that, that I really kind of discovered as IBD Live was Corsair, oh, right? Uh, ticker symbol CRSR. Uh, and they brought it up on IBD Live when I was on it. And I looked at those earnings and sales. I was like, oh my God, I haven't seen too many IPOs do that. And so I, I think I bought it around 20 or something I, while I was on the show. I was like, I'm just going to buy some here, get on the radar. Uh, I don't have like a, a, a big position or anything on it, but I still have some of this. And you want to talk about imagination. That's like right. I had no exactly. idea, right? Perfect. That, Perfect which was with the topic. <laughs> this is something where it's like, 
I sold some. I started taking, I took like half off around 40, 35, 40. Now I feel like an idiot take, taking that off. But what can you do, right? In the beginning, when I was starting off, I would, it, I'd be like, you know, dwelling on it. You know, like, oh, how, how could I leave so much money on the table and stuff like that? But some of these stocks. I don't know where I sold that stock. See, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't have, I just, it's the same thing. It's like, they make gaming equipment and that's why I bought it. Yeah. But then I didn't have that imagination, that vision that maybe it can make a big move. And you don't have to, it's not like you, put your flag in the ground and say, well, I think this is going to go to the moon. And then you just ignore the price action. But as, when you have the imagination that it could double or triple and the stock is doing just that, it's heading that way, then that helps you to stay with it, I think. At least that's what I'm trying to practice. Yeah. And, and it also goes to the point that in the, when I was starting off for, for years, I would say, oh, let's just wait a little bit, wait, wait a little bit. This time it was, I like the idea I recognize the name because I've seen it in the stores. Oh, wow. Because I saw like these really expensive keyboards and headsets and like they have a whole display at Best Buy. And so I saw that stuff. I was like, and I like expensive things. I'm not going to buy them. But when I see expensive <laughs> things and I know that they're traded, other like there are other are people are them, buying right? them and I'll just buy the stuff. It's kind of uh, like the iPhone or the, uh, the you know, the AirPods. You exactly. Know? Yeah. I had a yeah, hard I mean, time pulling the trigger before, on the AirPods because they're so oh, expensive. Yeah, I, I but everybody kept telling me how great they were. And so I, my, my, I couldn't even buy them. My wife bought them for me for Father's Day, I think. Okay. just couldn't bring myself to pay for it. Now, I love them. They're yeah. amazing. So you're right. It, 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 you get what you pay for in, in life pretty much and in the stock market. Pretty yeah. Much. Or, or Coach was always an example that from 10, 15 years yeah, ago that remember, stuck yeah. out to me. Um, that one on this monster on is like, wow, those are expensive handbags or Lululemon, mm -hmm. right? So that that's kind of been branded in my head. But uh, so so Corsair is one that that's gone up on a, a a big run. Peloton was another one that I that I was I mentioned before. Scott mentioned this. That's gone on a big run. You, Scott, you mentioned like uh, what Solar Edge, right? What yeah. was one that's gone on a well, it's gone on a, a much further than you know anyone can imagine. Right. So some of these stocks, I mean, the one thing about the system, and then we'll, we'll take a break, uh, is that this, the Kansom system, our growth strategy, does an incredible job of identifying companies of tremendous potential. They're, they're not always going to go up. Their stocks are going to go up and make it easy now that we've been in a crazy environment right now. But, uh, but these are truly a lot of these companies that come through. There, there are going to be a handful of them. They're going to be around for a while, and they're going to be changing a lot of things. And so you want to take the time to know some of those stories and, and keep it on the radar because when they take to do set up again, you, you can take another shot at them. So let's take a break here. Uh, when we come back, we'll go over a few ideas that are coming up on the radar right now. So stay tuned. MarketSmith will give you a huge edge in the stock market. Better stocks, bigger profits. MarketSmith is the top research platform for IBD. It's just the best tool for individual stock selection. Everything within MarketSmith is designed to bring those best stocks to the surface. It does a lot of the work for you of filtering down to the potential leaders. It's when you take the training wheels off and you're ready to invest on a more professional level. MarketSmith will help you take control of your investment life. If you want to get serious about investing, start your membership today. We are back with Scott St. Clair Investing with IBD, sponsored by MarketSmith. Okay, Scott, let's get into a few ideas here. And the first one is one that probably a lot of people are familiar with, uh, Snow, uh, ticker symbol S-N-O-W, and it's Snowflake. And I'll pull it up on the 
market smith chart here and let me share my screen I think from institutional quality standpoint, this is the new name that every institution has to own, wants to own, needs to own. Wow, look at I don't that. know if you can look at the, if you can show everyone the related information panel. Yeah, well, I'm showing it here. I, you know, because, you know, I've been like poo-pooing on, about snow on, on IBD. I don't know if you caught, but. I'm just like, okay, I don't, I don't, cause I don't know that much about it. I didn't realize so many yeah. institutions are in it. They are um, in sideways wow. and all of some of the best um, hedge funds owners. Valley uh, Gifford is a great mutual fund company owners. It's overvalued from all the metrics, right? I mean, the, the price to sales is to the moon, but one thing you'll learn is that the best stocks are always overvalued. Uh, Cisco went up 6 million percent overvalued the whole way till it was finally undervalued and then it went down, right? So mm-hmm. that doesn't bother me in, in, at all, but the, the ownership just sticks out like a sore thumb to me. I've tried this stock a couple of times and gotten stopped. I was in it for the move from 250 to 301. And then I was in it for the move from 301 down to 255 in one day. That was uh, brutal. But then I keep trying and I keep trying and, and I have a tongue in cheek. I said, I have an irresponsibly large position in this one. So, <laughs> I mean, I got, I got caught in this reversal here on, on September 30th. So I, I was up big on that day and I, I stopped watching it. Then I gave it all back and lo- found a way to lose money on it. Um, it's a very squirrely stock. It's hard to own it, it, it. This morning it was up seven and then it was down five and now it's up seven. Amazing. So you, you have to keep that in mind if you're going to buy it. But I just, I don't know, something, it's my spidey senses with this stock tells me this is going to the moon. Um, the institutions absolutely want to own it. And um, so I've been buying it for every day for the last nine days. You know, as soon as it went blue that one day, I just buy, buy and buy. And was well, that the, the day that I said that this is probably where you should we, buy it? We talked about it. Yeah, it's funny because you, you, uh, you I said something about that. And yeah. I, I had been buying it that day. That's what, yeah, because I, yeah, I, I said it, and that was on November 16th. I said, this is actually probably where, I said, forget the breakout. This is where you should buy it if, yeah. you're, if you really want snow because you're at the danger point, right? You're, you're at the bottom of hopefully what is a handle. Um, of course, I didn't buy it because I didn't, I didn't really know enough or they, I didn't really take a too, too strong a look at the no too too good a look at the ownership but yeah well done I mean that but that is that was the perfect place to buy it yeah and if you're wrong you 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 know you lose six percent or five percent right. or whatever your stop right. is so but I've you know I've tried a number of times and, and so just kept trying and trying you have earnings in what five days or something like that so you know that's the the wild card as we sit here you know earnings um but I don't know, there's something about, you know, the, the revenue numbers are really huge and they're, I guess it's the, the new metric net retention revenue or something. Yeah, that's and a very important their for, for numbers, software companies. Yes, yep. their, their net retention revenue is so over 100% or something. Is, is bar none better than all, wow. all the other guys out there. So it's about that imagination, vision. You know, the courage to take the trade, done that. The patience to stay with it, so far so good. I imagine this stock a lot higher and now it's about execution. So it's execution both ways because if it goes bad on me, I'm going to have to, you know, execute the stop loss fairly fast. I kind of waited 
that one day that got hit really hard, I honestly waited too long. I should have got out a lot sooner. I, I let it get away from me a little bit, give, you know, cause I really wanted to try to hold on to it. Mm-hmm. So that's, you know, one that I have a, a large position in, I'm going to try to hold on to it. Let's see. No. So, so that's snowflake and yeah, de- definitely worth taking a look, look at the, the story and, and consider adding to the watch list. I mean, it's forming a, a cup with handle here. Uh, and so it's kind of going through that process. So it hasn't really officially broken out even yet. So. Yeah. And who knows if it will, I'm like, you know, I'm stubborn. I don't want to wait for 301. Um. <laughs> and that is something that I, I wouldn't recommend um, until you've been trading probably for at least 10 years or so, because you've really proven that you can survive bad decisions or bad markets and you, you'll cut your losses without question. But when, when, when I brought that up in IBD Live and when Scott was actually buying it on that day, that to me, the reason why it seemed appealing to me is because it went, it's already shaken out everyone, me included. Mm-hmm. But there was a clear kind of place where you could define your risk. And in the end, I think that's the biggest thing is, is there a place where you can define risk and there's that concept of, you know, buying near the danger point too, which I think Jesse Livermore speaks about in, in one of his books, you know, you want to try to buy it near the danger point or out of a cup of handle where as it's breaking out a cup of handle, that's where it definitely should work immediately. And that's for many ways, that's usually the approach I use, but. You said triggered something in my thought process. I think is very important is I I've tried, this is the third time I've tried snow. So I've lost twice in it. And I had a pretty good profit in, in the second time, you know, from 250 to 301. Yeah. So, but you, there's, there's besides baseball, I can't think of any other profession where you can be wrong so often and still do. Okay. Um, you could never do this as, as a truck driver. If you had 37 tickets in a year that you'd lose, you'd lose your job. Right. Or a surgeon, you know, how many, if you replace the wrong hip three times, you're in trouble. Right. It's just the strangest thing investing. It's so backwards, you know, so, but you have to be resilient and persistent. And I just, you know, something about the story and the institutional sponsorship resonates with me and I'm just going to keep trying until either something changes or I get it right. Paul Tudor Jones tells a great story about there was an article in Wall Street Journal about how he had bought the bond market at the low and made a huge move on a rally. And he said, well, that story doesn't really tell totally true because they don't talk about the, the, the six other times I tried to buy it and didn't That's work. Yeah. And I kept losing and losing until I finally got it right. Right. Yeah. So yeah. Um, that's kind of that process. I'm, I'm okay with that. Uh, a lot of people aren't. It's very difficult psychologically to be wrong a lot. And in this business in, in investing, it, it's one of the things that you have to, you have to fight, I think. That, that psychologically, for sure, that that was one of the hardest things for me. Now, I think another key part of it, though, is if you're going to be right three or four times out of 10 in the markets, which you can do very, very well with that type of ratio. When you're right, you need to make sure the, the reward is heavily in your favor to overcome those losses, right? Or the math will quickly, the math just won't work for you at that point. So you need I mean, I'll, I'll, usually we're, we're looking for three, three to one type of, so three, three times the reward for every risk you're taking. So that means that you could be wrong three times and right once, and you're still about even uh, at that point. But that, that's one of the keys. 
I think one of the big mistakes that, and especially that I know I've done this many times, is sometimes it's you sometimes take the profits too quickly because you've been wrong so much too, and then yeah. it's it really is that one that you've given up that goes on that big run because you didn't let your winners run and you didn't have that imagination. Yeah, it's in baseball is a perfect analogy. I, I always talk about Mike Trout, who's the you know the best baseball player you know arguably in the world. And how often is he right versus wrong, right? Yeah. So he gets on base roughly 40% of the time, be his batting average, you know, walks, et cetera, which means he goes to the dugout 60% of the time wrong. Yeah. And he's going to the Baseball Hall of Fame and has a $500 million contract, right? And that's the same if in investing because you know why? Because when he's right, sometimes he's right big. Yep. You know, he hits, he hits a home run, a double, a triple, and so that's the same thing with investing. You, do, you don't have to be right all that often. In fact, I think the people that are right, I think when, when loss ratio is way overrated, because if you, I can be right a lot, I could buy XYZ at 30 and sell it very quickly at 3010. <laughs> that was right, but you know, I didn't make any money doing that. I mean, when you're right, make big money. Perfect. Let's go to another stock here. And uh, this is CF Industries, ticker symbol CF, and this is a little bit unusual. It's not your traditional growth type of stock, but these stocks, when, when they're in favor, they can all trend pretty well. I, I just pulled it up on a weekly chart. Scott, what do you like about these guys? So it's the same thing that we talked about a little bit earlier when I mentioned the rotation. So if the rotation is real, where's the money going to go? It's going to go into the places where, that, that underperformed. Um, and if you've traded as long as I have, you, you've been in CF before. It was a monster, great stock. You know, when, when Mosaic was moving. Yeah, CF it was like 2007 was, or something. Yeah, it, was, it can really move. So when I yeah. saw it moving, my instinct gravitated back to that stock back then. And, and I just bought it. You know, I didn't even uh, think about it too much. The turnaround story, it's not perfect canceling, but like Bill would say in, in his book, you know, one in four big winners are turnarounds. So, and the other thing I like about this is it's so different from, a, you know, from a portfolio construction, you know, so I have this unusually large position in snow, which is tech and, and SAS and it's, it's all the buzzwords, you know, and, and so it's, it's uh, going to really move my account around a lot. And this one is totally different, right? It's not like I'm buying Twilio or, or, or um, ServiceNow or something like that. So I like that balance in a, in a name like this. Perfect. So it just broke out. It's a, it's a little extended there. It looks like the market uh, closed. Is that it's... the market just closing? Yeah. <laughs> yeah that was, they're oh, good. I can't get shaken ears. out. <laughs> uh, the bells are ringing. Was my that ears, my platform or yours? No, that was, that was, well, I have my oh, platform. Okay, good. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, so CF is extended, uh, but keep an eye on it. it. It's, you know, it's never a bad idea to have some other types of stocks or in different industry groups, drastically different industry groups, because it can add a little bit less volatility to your overall portfolio. Uh, let's go to a third stock. And this is a newer company, Academy Sports and Outdoor, ticker symbol ASO. And uh, Scott, what do you like about these guys? I mean, they yeah. have some pretty, they have, you know, those earnings and sales are really sticking out to me. I know it's, I had to do a double take when I saw that, that uh, quarterly earnings report. That last one is $1.97. What, what is going on here? I, know. I don't know. I don't know what happened there. <laughs> Do they, are they investing in Bitcoin? 
Maybe, huh? <laughs> Maybe they're taking Bitcoin for, you know, you buy shoes for Bitcoin and Bitcoin's doubled since uh, since they've done that. That's impressive. Wow. There are no academy sports in my neighborhood. I actually went on the web and did a, you know, a zip code search and it said there aren't any within 250 miles of me. Yeah. A friend of mine who lives in the southeast uh, in, in, um, told me about this company and said, it's, you know, because it's new and IPO and um, he said it's, it's, you know, the really kind of the hot uh, retail in that area. So well, I, I like it that it's not here. Yeah. You know, because I, I, it means they can come here, right? Yes, exactly. It appeals to me from the retail side because, you know, this is like the old Bill O'Neill story. A lot of his big winners were in retail because he could go and, you know, count the cars in the, uh, in the parking lot where they have drones that do that now, you know, and the hedge funds pay for that stuff. You know, <laughs> Bill should have started that service. But you can you can kind of imagine like he would would he say with Price Club he'd say well they have thirty stores you know why can't they have three hundred you know yep. in yep. Home Depot with twelve stores in Florida and Georgia why yeah. can't they have one within you know incredible there's a Home Depot probably within every ten miles where I live so yep. um, it's new I don't know much about it because uh, I, I I couldn't visit it but the the new is very appealing to me and and the, that last quarter earnings kind of sticks out it, it is interesting. To me, I'm, I'm wondering if it's, if it's a retail store, but if they also have like sports training and stuff like that, because then that, you know, it's like almost because when I see that Academy Sports and outdoor yeah. kind of stuff, that's but maybe what it's just I thought it was when too. he mentioned it to me. Yeah. Here and where we live, Academy means, you know, you pay $300 a month to yeah, have somebody goes, train your daughter exactly. in soccer, right? Right, right, right. Worth looking into. I mean, this is kind of like what I, what stuck out to me with Corsair. It was a new IPO. With, and, and like this one, this has some big earnings and sales. And you don't see, once again, you don't see too many IPOs that come out that have that. Now, another one that it, it's kind of reminds me of is, and I, I don't want you know to anyone to imagine too much, but Ollie Bargain Outlet, right? And ticker symbol O-L-L-I. I'm pretty sure when they came out, they had some pretty good earnings and sales. But one thing that David Ryan mentioned who was a former portfolio manager here. He's in the Market Wizards book. Scott mentioned that earlier in the episode. Uh, with with Ali, the thing that uh, really stuck out to him, because David did really well in, in, in this stock uh, a few years ago, uh, he said that one, the, one of his favorite things that he learned about the company is that they were around for like 30 years and, and they never lost a store. Well, like wow. Every store is profitable and stuff like that. They never had to shut down any of their stores. Uh, and so that 30-year track record. So I'm wondering about with uh, Academy Sports and Outdoor, you know, how long have these guys been around? If they've been around for a long time and, they're, and now they're also putting some earnings and sales, it's, uh, it, it's something definitely at, worth uh, considering and adding to, to the watch list. Uh, okay, so let's go to one more. Yeah, we can right. do CMPS as well. Normally you only do three, but I, I have yeah, a hard well, time just, you know, there are so much, so much merchandise potential there out there. Is, There's yeah. a lot of ideas. So this is in honor of FireEye. I thought I would pick. Uh, how did we, <laughs> so funny that that this worked out this way? I said I, I have to have an EPS-rated stock of one in honor of FireEye. So Arusha could say, yeah, but it has an EPS rating of one. <laughs> so you know, very speculative, newer company. And in a lot of these times, what happens a lot on the weekends when you're doing the work, when you're just looking at lots of stocks. A lot of these names just come up on your radar and it doesn't mean you have to go buy them or whatever, but at least you, you kind of have like an idea about them. 
just in case, right? So it's, mm-hmm. you know, they do um, the, the I, I'm going to, I can't say the word, so I'm going to use, use the word mushrooms, the silo, uh, psilocybin, is that how you pronounce it? You were oh, a biologist. Good, good, yeah, but yeah, if I'm no but longer it, a biomaker, so. You know, so they're using. Yeah, I think that that looks right. I think you did pronounce it right. Yeah. So it's hallucinogenics that they're yeah, using to, to treat, treat depression. depression. And the stock is, so it goes public at 17 yeah. and runs to 47. Okay, so there's step one for me. I, you know, who did that? Who moved that stock? Yeah. Um, so that's a big move. So then I, I start to look more into it. Peter Thiel is uh, helped to fund this company. Wow. Um, who did? What, what are some of the other companies Peter Thiel uh, funded? Well, that you know that, that company Facebook <laughs> was one of them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so you know, a guy like that can he be wrong? Sure, but you know, I want to be. I want to. It's kind of like why I look at the mutual funds. Can uh, can Will Danoff be wrong? The manager of Contra? Sure, but I want to. I want to bet with the the guys that have track records. Um, and so Peter Thiel is an investor, helped start the company. Um, I don't know if you saw it, but on 60 Minutes, they did a special on not this company, but on the, this whole movement where, you know, people who have cancer, especially terminal cancer, I can only imagine how that, I can't imagine the news of that, how, how devastating that must be for them and their families. But they, they're treating these people with these mushrooms and allowing them to just kind of let go. And they, they, they're just, they just, it was amazing story. I saw it on 60 wow. minutes. So that combination. Um, and so I was like, oh, Oregon, vote yeah, in Oregon too? passed a law that you can use these now uh, in the most recent voting. So these are little things that just, you know, kind of come across my desk and the stock is acting, you know, fine. And again, it's that it's it's that imagination uh, vision thing, you know. I, you know, the market for antidepressants. I just looked it up. Is, you know, almost 15 billion. Antidepressants have a lot of side effects, a lot of problems. If these work, if this works, I can imagine this stock going a lot higher. And so that's kind of the thought process why I wanted to introduce, you know, a name like this, which is normally you know, not going to be on my radar. There's no earnings, there's no sales. And so a lot of times I, I don't, I've never participated in these kind of biotechs that, that, you know, that just go up two, 300%, you know, it's like, wow, because of that, you know, it's, right. I can't know the drug. I can't understand any of that. So it's, it's, a lot of people will email us to say, it looks like you two are having fun. And we We're are good it's actors. Re- it's real. No, it's real. Maybe for you. <laughs> Uh, all right next week we are gonna have uh leaf soriad on the show uh leaf won uh the u.s investing championship yeah, last year follow him on twitter that's cool all right good one yeah <laughs> i think i have the record now it, i this because mike is, mike lost it because yeah i think i just passed us. mike like the tortoise and the hare you know you should, you should send him an email i'm gonna uh, send, i'm gonna tweet. send him this uh, in a tweet hey mike yeah. uh, you you might want to watch this show i think this is my fourth well, this show hasn't officially ended yet because you won't be <laughs> quiet. So. It hasn't been published yet, huh? <laughs> if I keep so, going. <laughs> yeah, it's true. I know. You can't, can't, we can't cut you that. So that's it for this week on Investing with IBD. I'm Arusha Ferris, and thanks for listening. And for this week's Nilton Charts, make sure to go to investors.com slash podcast, where you'll find details for each episode in the podcast episode section. 
And make sure to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast if you haven't already. We'd really appreciate it. You can also send us your questions and comments to investingpodcast at investors.com. We would love to hear from you and may use your comments on an upcoming episode. This podcast is for informational and educational purposes only, and nothing should be construed as a recommendation to buy, hold, or sell any securities. Make sure to consider consulting with your financial advisor before making any investment decisions.